During times like these, it's easy to see what matters most. It's the health of your family, making sure your kids are still learning even though school's out and having enough in the bank to pay for food and medication. At Wafat Bank, we're with you. From the Great Depression to today's pandemic, we've been helping in situations like these for more than 100 years. It's why we're offering the Wafat Bank Mortgage Assistance Program, giving those who need it the option to defer mortgage payments for up to three months at no cost. Visit wafedbank.com. Equal housing lender, loan subject to credit approval. Listen to this. Sakamani, the flying winger. Here's Brad Evans. It's Steve. It's Steve. Who is it? It's Brad Evans. <laughs> Happy days are here again. Turning with a drive. It's Steve Sakamani. Evans with the left foot. He's an attacking threat, Brad Evans. This is so weird. The party has started. What's up, everyone? Welcome. Winging it with Zach and Brad. Uh, we are joined by former teammate and good friend and all-around good guy and Sounders legend, icon, a guy, local boy, who went on and represented this his city and this state so well. Lamar Nagel is on. Lamar, what's up, man? How you doing? What an intro. Thanks, man. Appreciate good that. Get my confidence up. Good intro. I wrote that last night. Yeah. Um, <laughs> In the studio? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you doing anything in the studio, Steve? Nah, I'm trying to get lab. Clint. I'm only going to come back if I do a song with Clint, so we'll see how that goes. That's such how's a that going? You never, you know that's how's never that going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's essentially my retirement. Good excuse, my, bro. That's my way out. Um, <laughs> Lamar, what, you, what 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 are you up to? Because I know you were, we talked about, you were coaching and stuff. And I know club soccer essentially shut down. So is there anything you got, what are you guys doing to stay in touch with the kids? Is there anything happening virtually or are you kind of just in limbo like most people? Uh, limbo right now. So we, we were doing Zoom sessions and we were uh, doing like everything we kind of could to keep in touch. So player evaluations, that sort of thing, sending workouts. Um, uh, video so the kids were watching videos and analyzing players and the videos and their positions um that was kind of how we were we were keeping touch now i think they've they've scheduled some type of obviously everything's tentative but they're trying to um, get like the registration and all that going just in case we're able to start up but for me uh, i was transitioning out of out of coaching uh april so around this time was going to be the end for me anyway so it just ended like a month early for me you were talking about the other day about job prospects and you know for all of us i don't think people understand how well not to say that they don't understand but i think the transition from a professional athlete into a working air quotes normal job Mm -hmm. is more difficult than some people think i think a lot of us um, not, not myself, but a lot of players are prepared cause they've got their college degree and they kind of maybe went to school for financing. So they know that they're going to do financing after they play for me. Soccer was number one going into school. So I had really no interest. So my, even though I had, you know, 12 years to kind of make up my mind what I wanted to do, it always felt like I was maybe going to take away from soccer if I thought too much about the next step. And I still had no idea what I wanted to do. Were you in that same boat, you know, making the decision to kind of hang up the boots or where are you at in that process? No, I was in the exact same boat. I mean, going into college, uh, my freshman year, I was a walk on. So I didn't think playing pro was going to be in my future at all. I was I was going there just on a chance. It happened to be D1. My friend was going. And so I went in just being trying to get uh, trying to get a scholarship to college, not really, you know, looking at it for future prospects. So I was going to be studying business, 
But when I got there my freshman year, I just ended up kind of killing it. And one of the seniors, he was um, he was drafted by DC United, and I was right there along with him in goals and everything. And so I was like, oh man, like this is this is actually like possible. So then from there on, it was it was soccer all the way. And then I was in the same boat as you. Um, I did my four years and I had two classes left. And when I came to, to the Sounders and I signed, I had an internship and a class and I was doing the internship in 2009 with Wells Fargo. So I was coming to training. I remember this in your suit. I remember (laughs) I was coming to training in a suit, um, after training, head up to Seattle, uh, be up there for like four hours, uh, off and on. And I was actually working another job after that at night. But after that, 2009, I got released uh, in preseason 2010. And the internship fell through in 2009. I didn't get enough hours. Me and the the mentor that I had kind of didn't see eye to eye. So it didn't work out. And after that, after it kind of fell apart, I focused on soccer. Just like you said, Brad, I thought, mm-hmm. you know, school's going to kind of take away right now. I really need to see if this is an actual, like, plausible future for me to play pro because I ended up going down to USL2 and playing at Charleston. Mm-hmm. And so I just stopped all school, all thoughts of afterwards and just focused for that year. And, um, yeah, ended up ended up killing it. So then I didn't want to change my mentality, went back up to the Sounders, and then I stayed in the MLS after that. So I was in that process uh didn't have my degree until this last december 2019 and i think just like a lot of guys and even like you said some people may seem may think that for pro athletes it's just a simple transition look you're you're popular somebody will give you a job but it's it's not it's not as easy as that and i think the biggest part for me was understanding and realizing the actual skills that i did have and could transfer from pro sports athletics um, just creating your own brand, uh, networking and that type of thing, using those skills to transition into some other job. And that's what I'm, I'm in the process of right now. Right. So you touched on that saying you were coaching, you were transitioning out of coaching. Are you transitioning out of coaching to go into something else or just leaving coaching and then trying to figure out? Um, well, the, the idea was to, um, have, never i never want to be unemployed that's <laughs> that's right. not the that's not the object right like i can always i can always get back into coaching uh whenever i want like you have the connections here that's one avenue that players yeah. do have you know you can jump onto a team but it, when i was playing i never saw myself coaching and yeah. so i always knew i wanted to transition completely out of sports still have my hand in it in some capacity whether that's doing personal sessions or or something like that but never for it to be a full time thing so in between the 2000 MLS se- 2018 MLS season when I when I stopped playing the MLS and the 2019 me getting a degree at the end I needed something in between so I picked up coaching for for Federway I picked up three teams instead of just doing one or two which would have been smart I picked up three full teams um, at the top level of their club and then uh, I ended up doing an assistant coaching thing with uh, James Riley at EPD as well. Um, just stacking on even more and yeah just kind of snowballed but I always knew once I got my degree I would transition out so that was the idea this April I would be transitioning out trying to find something else so I'd been networking this entire um, 
this entire year from the beginning and even a little bit last year, uh, just reaching out, seeing what was available, trying to figure out what I wanted to do and really trying to narrow that focus. It's uh, Steve, this goes to our conversation uh, about, um, you know, we've talked about it before and, and later on we will, but about um, college soccer and how, mm-hmm. let's say Lamar didn't go to college, where would he be at now, right? You, right. you miss this important piece in Sounders history um and he was just a walk-on in college so i still i think that that piece is still needs to be there you know because we're we're still missing out on you know the lamars if we take away college soccer so yeah that's it's a tough one yeah and you don't agree yeah i agree so uh speaking of sounders lamar i kind of every time somebody comes on i just dive into youtube how many Uh bangers you scored I for know. the club is ridiculous. Left I don't foot, remember. Right foot, yeah. yeah, I don't remember <laughs> it in training ever really happening all that much. But then somehow in the games, it just that little bit of tiny left foot, right foot, whatever. Like Steve said, yeah. what is your most memorable goal as a sounder? Uh, I mean there there are a few. They were all like similar situations, right? I was like twenty five, thirty out, yep. and hitting to the far post. My first one though. Uh, against Salt Lake to end uh, yeah, their, yeah. their yeah. Um, like unbeaten streak at home. I don't even know how many years it was. But yeah, I ended up coming on. Somebody got a card and I had to go on. And the night before, so my wife was, um, at the time we were dating and she was in Salt Lake. And I remember being up uh, probably like at like 1030 at night in the lobby, just trying to talk to her as much as I could because we were just dating from distance. And so... I was sitting there and in walked Schmetzer and uh, Tommy <laughs> and I'm the only one in the lobby and it's 2011. So I'm, it's like my first year back and uh, Schmetzer just goes off on me for being up that late. You got a game tomorrow. What are you doing? Tommy's trying to like calm him down and like push him to his room. And uh, he's just going off and I'm like, what did I just do? This I'm is like, it for me, babe. Done. Yeah, <laughs> I'm done. Uh, and then, yeah, in that game, I went in early and then I scored that goal and Schmetzer came up to me afterwards and was like, if you hadn't have done that, I would have ripped into you so bad. <laughs> but that was my first goal. My first MLS goal, uh, hit the crossbar, came down and, and yep. scored and that was a game winner. I think, I think they were out <laughs> drinking anyways. So I'm sure that Schmetz was lubed up. Yeah. And had no self-control to you. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. Uh, Nah, he's got some yeah. great ones. I remember specifically the first time that we met and kind of started chatting. Um, and I, listen, I don't know why I was there, but we were in the in the weight room um, in California. Um, don't know why you were there? Yeah, I don't know why I was in the weight room <laughs> in 2009. But Banter, yeah. I think, yeah, I think we went to Ventura, California for 2009 yeah. preseason mm-hmm. and you had come in and we just started chatting, whatever. And then, you know, then you kind of would be gone and you'd, you'd go, I think you went to Montreal, you went to USL, you said, and you'd come back. But you're always sort of around the Sounders. And then before I know it, I look up, you're like fourth or fifth on the all-time scoring list for the Sounders. And <laughs> I don't think that gets talked about enough. Like, I think that is, with some of the players we've had in this club, like, to be Crazy. a guy who didn't play his whole career here, let's not forget, but you scored a bunch of goals for the team. Do you think um, you get enough credit for how good you were? And I'll also add this. The 20... No, let me give a year. But the Clinton Ober era, how good they were, you were the smartest guy in the room because you would just stay close to them and then you pick up the pieces. Which I, I did on the same thing. Like, 
and then you're oh, able to yeah. score so many goals like that. And Papa did the same as well. You were also a key part of that run as well. So do you think you get that credit of being an actual top top player when you were on, on your peak form? Uh, no, no, not at all. Actually, right. <laughs> to be to be completely honest, I think uh, you're right. I I made a career off being like the the team player, the guy that yeah. was willing to do the stuff that other people weren't. So it was Clint and Oba, and you know we had these crazy offensive players. But um, the thing that I brought that other guys might not have is like the just absolute work ethic. I remember going through every single time we would uh, they would have how many how long how much we ran after games. Mm-hmm. And I had to be at the top every single time yeah. for the games. Like, just my mentality. I was like, this is the only way I'm going to stay on the field. I have to do yep. the defensive work for Clint or Oba because, like, they're just going to get the ball and do crazy stuff. Like, we need people <laughs> back. The only way I stay on the field is if I'm able to do that work and we're able to, like, stay in, like, defensive shape. So it was just a matter of me then. And then offensively, it was just give them the ball and make runs. And I was going to find it somewhere, right? Like, immediately give them the ball. It didn't have to be the perfect pass. Maybe I, I don't get that many assists, but I just pass them the ball and then make a run in behind, and it worked out. <laughs> it's it's one of those situations, and, and that's the, the problem about MLS, is Lamar holds that perfect amount of value that every team wants to have, Yeah, and other teams are willing to give up more than what Lamar, yeah. you know, in, in exchange, I think. So that's the toughest spot in MLS to be in. It's, and you were never injured. Like you played yeah. for 25 yeah. games every single yeah, season another, in your MLS yeah. career. It was just, and, and I think that longevity and the, the fact that other teams could rely on you were always like, oh yeah, who, who can we get off the Sounders that is good for our team? We'll have to give up, you know, something that means a lot to us. But you were always in that realm of, and that's the toughest spot to be in in Major League Soccer is that yeah. value. But like you said, that 2014 season was Chad Barrett, um, you know, Kenny Cooper, Papa, like all yeah. these f- firepower, but you know, you still found a way to produce, which was so impressive. Do yeah. you think that in, in that time was the national team ever on your mind? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I think even like, I was pretty pissed about the all-star thing. I mean, I was an outside mid, not a forward, but I was still putting up forward numbers. like don't, more don't, don't, Lamar, don't get me started on that. 2010, I'm still pissed about that. Don't get me started. <laughs> but carry on. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, I did hear rumors of um, national team stuff, but it was only, it was only rumors. And, and even like, uh, I really should have been pushing my agent for the Irish, for Ireland national team Yeah, as well. Mm. Um, even just to put it out there, because I don't think, a lot of people even knew I had my Irish passport and I was eligible for it. But just to be able to, like, play at that level would have been awesome. Um, yeah. What, yeah. What is the connection there, Lamar? Yeah. My grandma's straight from, from Ireland, Dungarvan. Uh, around, it's, it's right near Cork. Um, okay. So she's from there. My grandpa had, uh, I think he was, like, half Irish. Um, but, yeah, my mom ended up getting her Irish passport. When I was in college, because I always wanted to play afterwards, as soon as I found out after my freshman year, I told you guys I wanted to play pro and mm-hmm. just wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And um, if it was an option to be able to get a passport, then um, so my mom did it. It took her a year to get her her Irish uh, passport. And then it took like another year for me to get mine after that. So really cool, man. Um, let me touch back on your coaching. What did you learn? 
about the game from being on the sideline that you didn't learn playing? Because I dabbled in some coaching as well um, at high school. I'm not sure if anyone's aware that we went to the state championship, but we'll talk about, we'll talk about that another time. Um, but talk about I your accolades in, later. <laughs> but I, I learned a lot, man. I feel like I've been around the game for a long time, all these wonderful players and great yeah. coaches, but actually being the coach is really, really tough. And I'm just curious, especially with you coaching three teams um, in your hometown, what did you learn about the game or about yourself? Um, as it relates to the game, when you stepped on the sidelines? I think I learned more in 2019 than I did, you know, in, in like eight years of, yeah. of playing pro. Honestly, like as a pro athlete, like you're going through kind of the same things over and over, day in, day out. Like you keep your mindset kind of the same because you've gotten there and you're successful. Um, you're learning stuff here and there. But coaching is a completely different story. Coaching kids uh, ages from 10 to 16-year-olds. And then also... Uh, I was playing indoor as well, which was mm, yeah. a different game, but it's still soccer and there's different like tactics and ways to find openings. And you got, it's like, it's amazing. You have guys that look like they're coming off of like, like construction workers or like just guys, like regular guys. And they're like the best players on the field. It's unbelievable. Like the different dynamics of it, but for coaching the psychological aspect, um, even working on tactics as like a full team and not just individually for myself, yeah is completely different um motivating kids uh having to work with like different personalities like there's just so much that went into it and that's another reason not only the time management but the reason why i would have wish i would have only picked one or two teams so that i really could focus on on the kids and their development and like you're writing up plans every single day for trainings and like long-term plans i know in high school it's a it's a shorter season no discredit to what you did steve you know that's unbelievable that's that's why i did it because it was short that's why that's unbelievable but um just like having a a, like a long-term plan and then i had my girls are like looking at colleges so then the the college aspect comes in because they can't talk to the colleges but i can as their coach so there's another like relationship aspect to it and now i'm connected to these kids like forever I, I can't wait to see watch what they do next year um so yeah it was just a lot of growing a lot of different um different aspects to it that i didn't even realize uh, co- coaching is man it's just not on my radar but you know i i get <laughs> yeah. the uh, you want to see people progress and the more you get into it the more you're you learn about the coaching aspect we are re-airing the Sounders Classics, as you've been on multiple times, and I'm sure you're going to have to be on for this one, too. I'm not coming on to D- this one. Yeah, you are. It's DC <laughs> at Seattle. Comeback victory. Um, you started on the bench that game. Yeah. Talk about coaching in that one. What what happened? I mean, it, at DC, I mean, it was, a, it was a miracle that we went up 3-0. I'm going to be honest. Um, we were not having a good year, but we were a good team, but just like things did not work out for us. So then as soon as we saw like one goal go in, you know, you you have teams that are on that like, oh, man, this this might not be good. You know, you're in Seattle with this crowd behind them. They get one goal and the momentum swing in Seattle from being on a different team is unbelievable. Nice. Just feeling that that vibe is like, oh, crap, like. <laughs> something bad might something bad might happen right now and so yeah that was a that was an interesting game that was a killer just mentality wise i'm sure and and watching from the bench had to be tough because there yeah. was four goals scored in 27 minutes to win four three four and that's got to be the most minutes. most deflating feeling in the locker room was it just 
coaching wise, what did what did Ben say in yeah. in the locker room? I mean, it was difficult. So at that time, that was 2017, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So at that time, we're like one last of the last in, yeah. in the league. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're dead last. So like all you can do at that time as a coach is take the positives away. Like what are you going to do? Like mm-hmm. destroy your team in the locker room? You're already in last. Like <laughs> what, is that, what is that really going to do? So, I mean, we took every single time. Like obviously we had a lot of those, those discussions because we're in last place. We're losing a lot. So there was a lot of like we have to just take what we can from these games and like the positive was is we went up three zero away in Seattle and then like we just can't let it get get to that point where you're getting where you're letting in four goals in twenty seven minutes. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Now Lamar, the question I have for you is I've known you a very long time. I'm still trying to figure out if you can shoot better with your left foot or with your right foot. And how when like is it were you always that way where you could just like I mean I was decent with my left foot in certain scenarios. I could get wide and cross on the ground with my left foot. I couldn't shoot for 25 <laughs> yards with my left foot. But you could yeah. do it so effortlessly. Like, yeah, was this, was this something, you, was it natural? Did you, did you develop that? No. I know a lot of kids ask me about, oh, can I coach, can I work on my weaker foot, etc. And I'm just, at times like, you can do it, but you probably won't ever get them to be equal. Yeah. No, when I was, uh, when I was 13, um, so I got cut from my, from my federal way team. And I wasn't going to play anymore. It was just, it was a lot of money. I had been cut before from the, like my first team with all my friends on it. And I was like, all right, obviously it's not for me. And, uh, one of my friend's dads, they knew Wade Weber. Wade Weber Ooh. was coaching at North Point and he had a team my age and he said I could come try out. It was past the deadline or whatever, but came, tried out. And he was like, all right, you can like, he, he picked me up, but the place that I needed to be playing was left mid like a left winger i think we were playing like mm. a four three three and so i made it like a conscious effort to use only my left foot in practice so i would go through practices without using my right foot at all and then i would stay after and be crossing and shooting and i would literally just be going through the motions of how does it feel not even caring where the ball went how does it feel when i shoot with my right foot and then emulating that with my left foot and then that's eventually just over time, I was able to cross, able to shoot. And I think I thought about it less and thought about less um, uh, as I was going along. And so with my left foot, it just became kind of natural. So, yeah, it just took a lot of time. And so what of, you're like, saying effort for myself, what you're saying is hard work and practice will get you to the next <laughs> level. Yeah, to answer your question. Yeah, that's the secret. <laughs> it's it, which is crazy because a lot of kids like still don't have that they don't have the drive they think it's going to come easy which is which is crazy so it's always good to listen um you know to somebody who's done it before and and really gone through through the ringer one last question for me you know you touched on on it uh this past weekend but um your wife is making masks right yes Um, so for Mm -hmm. for all those listening if they uh want to get involved somehow tell us what that looks like and, and what the process is like yeah, so my wife had a had a business that she's been doing since uh, we were in, at DC. She was making um, it was a timeless tot. She's making uh, kids accessories and clothing, designing the clothes. She's sewing. I'm sitting in the office right now. There's fabric everywhere. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, once this happened, there was a way for us to to help out. And immediately when um, we saw the 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 interview with Trump of like 
everybody should be wearing these masks. Like when they go out, it was like an automatic. All right, we already got the fabric. We already can have the ability to make these. Let's do it. And as soon as she put it out there, like we've, I told you, we've been making masks. Like we'll stay up till like 12 o'clock at night. Uh, as soon as the kids are asleep and we're up here, I'm up here cutting fabric and ironing and she's sewing. And, um, yeah. And if you want, if you want to get involved, there's, uh, her website is, it's our middle, it's our, um, kids middle name, Gray and May Co. Mm. Uh, it's mostly just on Instagram. Um, she has it like an Etsy site, but you can just go Gray and May and, uh, and get them. And she's also donating some of the proceeds to get the N95 masks for hospitals. Wow, um, around awesome. the area because she was a registered nurse so she knows a bunch of them and knows what they're going through so yeah, yeah. so good absolutely amazing oh lamar i do have to ask i do have to ask just because we me and brad talked about this earlier um i don't know if you got to watch the a bit of the jordan documentary michael jordan that came I out i haven't but regardless of that doesn't matter the question still stands was do did you grow up in the were you swept up in the wave of Michael Jordan? Like, was it something where, you know, whether it was your dad or people around yeah. you where Jordan was the man? And what was that like? Because I'm trying to understand, because I'm a LeBron James guy. I make, I make no qualms about it. I went to Akron, yeah. I have to say that. Um, I'm a Le- but I'm starting to understand that, you know what, this guy may have been to people here, like what Ronaldinho was for me or something like that. So what was that like growing up here with Jordan being Jordan? Yeah, absolutely. I think for any kid playing basketball, like you knew who Michael Jordan was, it was a yeah. like a huge deal. It was a, I mean, especially honestly for like like a black kid growing up, like mm-hmm. you see somebody with Jordan, like oh, you got the Jordans. Like it was crazy. There was nothing else like it. Especially I think in the U.S., like soccer obviously wasn't wasn't that big. So like the biggest person ever was Michael Jordan, and for like a black kid playing basketball. That was my favorite sport growing up. I, I played, I chose to play basketball in junior high instead of soccer. Um, and so I was, I was all in with Jordan. My dad had season tickets to the Sonics. Uh, that was one of the only games I couldn't go to when he came back and played for the wizards was I couldn't go to a wizards game because everybody else wanted tickets. Um, so yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's like a crazy cultural thing. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah, I can't. I can't wait to watch it. I was looking at Twitter, and everybody was going crazy about it. <laughs> yeah. it so good. And now everybody's going crazy about Scottie Pippen's like salary. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. And I was. I would. Hey, I would have gladly, gladly taken Scottie Pippen's salary. So I don't know what they're talking about. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lamar, always a pleasure, man. Always a pleasure having you on. Welcome back anytime. We'll, we'll get you on. When this clears up, I want to get you in the studio properly and let's have, have like a proper conversation with you because I think there's a lot to your story that just I think your career trajectory is way more realistic than say a Clint Dempsey or Landon Donovan. I think that's yeah. what people should be striving to become. Um, yeah, man. Hey, when I thought you said we're going to get you in the studio, I thought you were opening up the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Not that kind of studio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, just uh, a Lamar, feature. Ha- All right. Have a good one, man. We'll talk soon. Experience the friendly, captivating atmosphere at Urbane Restaurant and Bar. By sourcing fresh ingredients from the Pacific Northwest, chefs Caleb Espinoza and Brian Griffin put their own unique and inspiring twists on dishes that feature throughout Urbane's upscale comfort, globally inspired menus. Enjoy creative cocktails, local craft drafts, and meals that will make you yell, Goal! Alongside fellow Sounders fans during both home and away matches, discover Urbane within Hyatt at Olive 8, the official hotel partner of your Seattle Sounders FC.
What's up, guys? Welcome back. And today is Mark's 50. It's the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. Um, sustainability is a key pillar of the Sounders organization, marked by the club becoming the first pro sports team in the United States to become carbon neutral last season. So with that, we thought it'd be a great idea to welcome in Sounders fan and environmentalist Kevin Wilhelm. Kevin, welcome. And I want to begin right away. Let's get right into it. Um, you helped the Sounders become carbon neutral last year. And for people like myself, you had no idea what that meant. What exactly <laughs> does that mean? Well, thanks for having me, Brad, and Steve, to the conversation. And yeah, so uh, our firm, Sustainable Business Consulting, uh, worked with Sounders FC to not only uh, go beyond kind of what could they do in terms of a green team in the office, but really pitched them the idea of, of carbon neutrality with that, that big goal that you just mentioned. And really to get to carbon neutrality, what that means is first kind of measuring where all your missions are coming from uh, for the business travel, the, the team travel, um, the academies, the scouts, and all the air travel, as well as the energy use um, in the office and the stadiums, you know, Starfire, and um, the waste and even the commuting emissions of employees uh, going between Starfire and the office and to and from the office every day. So once we were able to um, measure the emissions from that, then we looked for ways that, um, that the Sounders could offset their emissions, you know, because they obviously can't stop flying to games, they can't stop going to training. Um, so we worked to identify, you know, a group within Forterra locally here where we could find a way to put trees in the ground that would clean up the air and the water in our community in a low-income area um, to the equivalent of pulling out the uh, CO2 equivalent out of the atmosphere that the Sounders were putting in as part of their, their playing experience. It's it's super interesting. You know, we got to talk uh, about two weeks ago now, and my brain has just kind of been wrapped around the things that I can do at home. And I know that you're leading the charge for us in terms of, like you said, planting trees, um, you know, taking a bike into work. What are some other small things, you know, for people that are listening to this? Um, well, first of all, they need to do homework on Earth Day, right? Because I don't think most people even realize it's Earth Day. It's kind of one of those things that ebbs and flows in my mind and, and kind of hits the media right. and kind of doesn't. Um, you know, a, a couple small things that people can do day to day that can make a big difference if we all did it. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that we're all realizing right now is uh, the world we're living in with COVID-19 is that we've, we've figured out that we don't need to drive as much. We don't need to consume as much. Um, we don't need to travel as much. Um, but of course, when the restrictions are lifted, we're going to want to get back to some normalcy in our lives. But I think there, there's, there's some really basic things that kind of we all learned as kids, you know, um, shutting off the, the lights when you're not using them, not, you know, running hot water when you don't need to. I think one of the things that's really amazing um, is that, you know, like, for example, uh, when uh, seventh generation looked at what they could do with their, um, their chemicals for their uh, washing detergent, they were looking at all the chemicals that they could do. And they realized that the, the biggest impact they could do was to make their laundry detergent able to be, have the same efficacy by washing on cold. And, you know, something like 40% of the heat that you use in a home is actually just heating your hot water all the time because whenever you want to open up a, a faucet, you want hot water immediately. And so just looking for ways that you can use 
use less water, you can recycle more, you can reuse things that you need to do. But even things just like we're all ordering stuff off Amazon. Can you bulk your packages? Can you ask for, uh, you don't need everything uh, through Prime, you know, next day. Um, you can, especially since we're all staying at home. Um, you can have things shipped, uh, you know, second, third, fourth day, have them shipped ground. And each of those little small decisions that you make as a consumer have a, have a massive impact on the environment at the same time. Really, really cool stuff, man. Really cool stuff. Um, I want to get to some of the soccer stuff because you are season yeah. ticket member 499. And that means you've That's been right. there from the very, 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 very beginning, at least of the MLS era. Um, yes. do you, what are some moments that stand out for you? Kind of, I mean, we're 10, 11 years in now at this point. So do you have like a top three or just some key moments for you as a fan from the stands watching um, this team play? Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, you know, I mean, obviously the, the championships stick out. Um, I mean, everyone wants to talk about last year's championship, but I would say the 2016 championship um, really stood out because being there with a couple hundred other Sounders fans literally freezing up in the, the upper deck of, you know, BMO Field and, and then being able to go and um, track down the Sounders hotel at one in the morning and, and, you know, jump around with, with Zach Scott and Ozzy and Brad you know, after the game. <laughs> um, definitely a highlight. One of the people I, I, I still love was in 2014, uh, Marco Papa's goal uh, to win the supporter shield, especially since I was against LA. Um, I think that one, and then I, I got to say the home opener, um, you know, as someone who grew up in soccer, I was, you know, one of the very first um, members of Sam's Army, the U.S. soccer group that organized online before the 94 World Cup, um, to see the Sounders' home, first home game and see that packed to that ability. And, of course, now it's only grown so much since then. Those three are, are the most important. But, of course, last year's final um, at home, that was pretty amazing as, as well. Take, take us through your uh, soccer background because you're – soccer iq you know and business iq go hand in hand and it's it's pretty cool when you were you know kind of describing your soccer uh history i guess uh dive into that a little bit yeah um i mean i i, I played in college um i you know i wasn't going to be the you know herman award winner like steve um <laughs> i was kind of the, the the second to last man off the bench at my D3 school. But, um, but I, you know, from that, I actually started working in um, the minor league uh, pro soccer. You know, before MLS, it was the USISL, and, uh, which was the highest level. And um, started, you know, as an intern. Um, and then a year and a half later, I'd worked my way up all the way to general manager. And when my boss left to go uh, work for the Chicago Fire, and so I worked with uh, soccer there. I worked for the Sounders, actually, as their PR director back in the 98 season um, during the A-League. Um, and, then, um, uh, and then kind of have just, you know, moved into what I would say is like I, my, my career trajectory. I kind of like felt like I needed to do something for the environment. I had done uh, you know, what I could for soccer at that time, you know, shifted over to this sustainability consulting business. Um, but then, you know, my passions with the Sounders, you know, were, have been there since, you know, opening kick on March 19th of 2009. Um, and, you know, I've always been looking for a way to bring the two together. And so the kind of marriage of bringing back the sustainability and working with the Sounders um, has been kind of a, a great fit um, for doing that. And 
you know, and I'll help uh, hope any MLS team, even even the Timbers, if they want to do that. But like, I whoa, said, whoa, I, whoa, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just kidding. But I, but I don't worry. I, I, I will not help. Um, I, I will not help uh, Real Salt Lake ever after what they did uh, so many times in the playoffs, just sitting on the ball in the second <laughs> half. I just, a man's got to draw the line somewhere. Um, you kind of touched on it briefly there that you, I think you said you were doing PR for the A-League Sounders way back in the day. Yeah. Um, were yeah. Alan Hinton or Marcus Hanneman, any of those guys involved during that time? Yeah, so Hanneman had, had just moved on to play for the, for the Colorado Rapids. Um, and, um, uh, and so um, Alan, Alan wasn't the coach. Neil, uh, Neil Megson was the coach at the time, but uh, certainly I knew Alan. Um, and, uh, and, um, you know, it was more of the trying to think who would, who would be there that is the, the Scott Jenkins, Brendan Perdue, uh, group. It was kind of like in between the old sounders and the new sounders at the yeah. time. Uh, um, but it was, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a tough gig. I mean, there were only five of us in the office. We played at Memorial stadium, which is, you know, not, not any better now than it was 20 years ago. Um, but the passion that the players had and the passion that we all had to, to grow the game was, was super intact. Uh, we have the, all three of us have the Ohio connection, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Steve, I don't know. I don't know if you knew that, but um, yeah. in terms of connections, is there a Marcus Hanneman story or was it, <laughs> was, what's the myth legend surrounding Marcus? Cause we get a taste of it every single day. I don't know what your experience being kind of around him, you know, for, for a very brief time or interacting. And yeah, good. I, no, I, I wish I had something amazing uh, on Marcus, but the one thing I would say is that um, when he came back and was, was, you know, had left the Sounders and had brought them an A-League championship and then went to the Rapids. Um, they came back and played an exhibition game against the Sounders. And it was hilarious because we had, oh, this is the connection, Chris Henderson and Sean Henderson, you know, because they had been in, in the cup final the year earlier, also played in that game. And so the press conference was supposed to be all about Chris and Sean making their homecoming. But, you know, we had Marcus there too. And of course he stole the show and everyone just <laughs> wanted to talk about with Marcus. And I remember uh, going to Sean Henderson afterwards and just saying, hey, I'm really sorry. You know, the press conference was supposed to be about you and Chris. And he just said, you know, that's how it is. Everyone always just wants to talk to Marcus and his bald head. So, um, so that's, that's, um, unfortunately, that's as good as I get. But that's a way of bringing back Chris and Sean and Marcus all into that conversation. Really, really cool, man. Um, I wanted, last thing I want to ask you is this. So since you've been there from the start and because we're obviously celebrating Earth Day, but a very special Earth Day, um, the 50th anniversary, um, I, I believe there are some key moments in Soundist history that kind of tie into major environmental milestones that um, you wanted to maybe go through with us. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the, you know within months of when you know the sounders kicked off in mls was when the first real global framework on climate change came together in copenhagen and uh, president obama went there to sign it to you know put the us on the path and you know then you had a whole bunch of other things that have happened um in the world that have kind of awoken people's consciousness from the bp oil spill happened um you know weeks before, you know, the Sounders won the Open Cup against Columbus in 2010. Um, you know, the Fukushima nuclear accident happened uh, a few weeks after the Sounders beat Chicago in the Open Cup in 2011. 
But the big ones are really tied in almost with the big Sounders ones. Um, you know, when we won MLS Cup in 2016, you know, that was the year that the, the global community came together with the Paris Climate Accords and uh, really put teeth to the bone. And then, of course, in 2017, when we had a down year uh, losing in MLS Cup, that's when President Trump said he was going to pull us out of those same accords. But I think those the, what has been lost is that those don't actually go into effect until two days after the inauguration. So if he's not reelected, there's a chance for the U.S. to, to step back into that. But I think even, you know, more recently, you know, on our, our road to MLS Cup in 2019, um, you know, there was a climate strike. Uh, where to think of it as kids, if you ever were saying, you know, hey, I'm going to tell my mom and dad or my teachers I'm not going to go to school because I'm going to walk out for climate change, they would have laughed at us. But it happened, um, and it was the day before that really ugly 0-0 draw at home in Dallas last year. But, you know, that was the kind of way we think of like, hey, wow, in 2019, one LF Cup, the Sounders planted a flag in the ground to become the first professional sports in North America to become carbon neutral. And, you know, it just was another way that the founders raised the bar, um, not only for the club, but for kind of environmentalism across the globe. And, and many other post-sports teams are going to try and replicate it, but no one can top what the founders have done because they were first. Really, really cool stuff, Kevin. Really, really cool stuff. Very interesting. Um, really appreciate you coming on. I think that's a great mix of Celebrating Earth Day and also tying in your Sounders fandom, which we love. Um, so really appreciate you making the time, man. If today's news has you taking care of more errands from the couch this spring, then Wafed Bank has some tools to help. You can open our free checking account online without ever leaving your house. Our free checking and mobile banking app includes photo check deposit, person-to-person text payments, bill pay, and even fee-free access to 32,000 MoneyPass ATMs. All this without having to pay a monthly fee. Member FDIC, free checking requires e-statement registration, direct deposit, and 25 bucks to open. Overdraft and return item fees may apply. Guys, welcome back. Uh, make sure to tune in to Sounders FC Classics this Saturday, April 25th, as we look back on the club's epic four-goal comeback against DC United back in the 2017 regular season. Rewatch the entire contest at 7pm on Joe TV, soundersfc.com or the Sounders FC app and listen on 950KJR AM. Saturday's edition of Sounders FC Classics is presented by TCL. TCL, the official smartphone and tablet partner of Sounders FC. Brad, did you play that one? Um, oh yeah. You did play that one, 2017. Um, what do you, what do you remember? Do you remember anything about that game or is it a bit of a blur? Yeah, so there was something going on with that game and I think, I, I think it had to do with me and the management, so I wasn't happy at that time from top okay. to bottom. Um, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but you know, it, it, looking back on it now, it just seems like it was a great comeback, but there's stuff behind the scenes that were going on that I was kind of upset okay. about. And I think, um, it was a positional change again or something like that. Uh, yeah, wasn't, yeah, yeah. wasn't too happy about it. Um, and yeah, but it, it was a crazy, crazy game to be a part of looking back on it now, obviously like who cares? It was just a great, a great comeback victory, but right. you know, go, going down three, nothing at home. Being yeah. shell shocked um, is embarrassing. Number one, I think, 
yeah. and then but but to come back and win four three was was pretty awesome. So um, yeah, so I'll be hosting that again on um, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. On that Zoom, you know, we're getting all the players on, so yeah. make sure everyone's tuning into that too. If they're not watching it on TV, um, yeah, yeah, just it'll it'll be fun to kind of run down that one, the the range of emotions that uh, yeah. you know kind of overtake you in that one. So, yeah. were you ever crazy. in your career, whether I don't know if it's pro or growing up, were you ever on the wrong side of that, where you were on the team that was up and then a team came back on you guys? I don't think I ever had that. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm sure he's played so many games. There's got to be yeah. somewhere where, and and most likely it was away from home. You know, yeah. I, I remember getting smoked and torched at home a couple times. You know, and it always happens every season that you get crushed. You know, three or four nothing, and mm-hmm. then it always happens where you smash a team four or five nothing. And with the Sounders, yeah. it was more evident. Every year we had that four or five nothing game. You never knew when it was going to come, but it generally yeah. happens. So I'm sure I've been on the wrong side of that result, but. In terms of really blowing, a, you know, a three-goal lead, three-nil, you know, yeah. I don't think so. Um, but I, I could be wrong. Yeah, I, I would remember that, I think. I think in terms of what you said there, the blowouts, I mean, the worst I remember, I don't know if there was ever a worse one in Sounders history, was 2010 losing 4-0 at home to LA. Like, that was LA, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was just a Was that the one that around. Adrian gave a refund or yeah, something so like that? Yeah, so I think, <laughs> yeah, so I said, in, I didn't remember doing my post-game interview, and I said, you know, oh in places like England, the fans wouldn't want to pay for that. So I don't know if that inspired right. Adrian at all, but I remember him coming yeah, out maybe. and doing the refund and, and people, yeah. I mean, some people understood it. Some people were upset that he did that because it's like, what, do you give a refund out every time we every lose badly loss. at home? Yeah. So uh, I understood it, but yeah, I, I do remember that game and it just was a bad day all around. It just was, yeah. it's just, it was so bad. So, well, so I think bad. So. The thought process, right, is like, it's so embarrassing. We'll, yeah. we'll take losses. As yeah. long as we play okay and show everything on the field. But I think Adrian's process was like, this was terrible from top yeah. to bottom. Nobody performed. And that's why we are giving you your money back because we feel bad about what just happened. Yeah. He'll take yeah. he'll take a loss. Yeah. That was one where he probably came in. You know, every yeah. once in a while, Adrian would come in, smash in the table. Or I was, I was, I was lost, just right? going to say, have you, have you <laughs> ever watched the game by side? Uh, I have. And actually, <laughs> it, it's always been a victory. So yeah, I've okay. been, and I've only done it like once or twice, and I've been really lucky. But I've yeah. heard like people have oh, to leave man. the suite because they just yeah. can't do it. The guy yeah. is, yeah, he just is so infatuated with the team and the results that it's yeah. difficult to watch, right? Because yeah, he's so he, into it. He, he kicks some plays every ball. I watched the game. Um, it was actually a win, but it was like it came late. It was Monterey Champions League away. I yeah. think no, it was a loss. Sorry, we're two 0 up and lost three two. And gotcha. when they bought on, they had a, they had a sick player called Swazo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he came on that 60th minute, had a yeah. goal, assist, and won a PK. Like, ridiculous. Yep. Um, I watched that game with Adrian. So first 60 minutes, he was cool. And then as you can see, the tide turning. I mean, it, oh my god, he he kicks every ball, and he was like, oh. So yeah, yep. I I never knew he got like that for games, but. Um, yeah, he's for sure, obviously, one of the owners that cares and stuff. But I would probably never watch a game just me and him again. Like I wouldn't do it. Wouldn't put you wouldn't go to his position. house if he. Had, let's say it was your favorite food that he had catered at his house, <laughs> and it was a real. Is you knew it was going to be a tough game, like at Dallas or something. He was like, "Hey, Steve, I want to have you over, and, and I want to cater this meal, and the chef is going to be there to cook it too." You, <laughs> you would know, say no. Yeah, nah. You know that that'd be tough to turn down, but <laughs> but. But but I would hope there were other people there as well. That would be my only hope. No, I'm talking. It's just you and him in uh, a room. That would be tough. <laughs> that would be tough. No, he loses his mind, man. Um, all right, let me see. We had a couple of questions that came in. A couple of decent ones. One said, 
um, I don't know if this is related to the kind of the DA thing that happened where the club soccer, there was a big shift. I don't know if it's related to that, but this person said, we both played in college. Um, what was, one, our college experience, and two, should there be a future for college soccer? Go ahead, guy. I mean, you're, you're, you guys were champions or something, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, we, I mean what, in my time, yeah, so my college experience was good. I got there in 2007, and at that point, that was a coach's second year. So Akron was just becoming what it became. And then what he did is he recruited really well. He recruited some youth national team players. He recruited the best local players. He brought me in as an international player. We had a good mix. Um, my freshman year was kind of a mix of the new school coming in and the old guard that was left over. So we were okay. I think we were like 15, three and five, something like that. We were okay. My second year, we were really good, like 17, two and four. Um, that's my sophomore year when we brought in some great freshmen and had a really good year. So my experience was good from that perspective where I was on a team with a coach that took it seriously. There were guys who came to college not really to do four years. These guys were coming here to try and go pro. Like that's where the mindset began to shift for, um, for the University of Akron. And then, you know, I left and then the next two years, I think they went like 23, 1 and 0. And one of the years, went to the final both years, one year, won the championship. Then after that, they got like, you know, DeAndre's generation came through and Will Trap. Mm -hmm. And it, it's been a powerhouse for so many years. I mean, a couple of years ago, they were in the final four still. So I think the experience was good. Whether, I don't know enough about college soccer now to know if there should be a future. I think you look at people like... um. Like Jordan, Jordan Morris played in college. DeAndre played in college. You have those, but I think you are beginning to shift away where the very best players, I'm talking like the guy at Dortmund, um, Reina, Claudio Reina, son, Gio Reina, <laughs> um, obviously Christian Pulisic. Like these guys are not going to play in college, but they're the upper, upper end of it. So I don't know if there's still room um, where guys who aren't at that level, guys who may not be ready to go into MLS right away, who maybe can do a year or two in college. That might still be there because there's some good teams and good coaches in college, what kills college is that it's a three-month season. That doesn't make sense. Like you right. can't play three months of competitive, and then that just doesn't make sense. So yeah. I would hope there is, because I like a lot of people in college, a lot of friends who you know coach in college and stuff, I would hope there is. But I fear, as the US tries to move more and more forward, that they're for sure going to move strictly to the academy model and look at that pool as their player. That's what I would say. Yeah, I think, you know... I'm. My college experience actually didn't start off great. Our team was was bad at Irvine my first year, yeah. um, you know, and it it kind of put a sour taste in my mouth. We we only had six wins and we had eleven losses. Like we oh, were nice. we were not good. It was not a great time. Um, but slowly we kind of improved the program, improved the program, and by the end of it, um, thirteen and four by the by the last year. And I think we oh, finished yes. ranked in the top ten in the country. But at that time we didn't win our tournament, and before that. Uh, the Big West was getting no respect at all. So only the tournament winner, which ended up being Santa Barbara, got the bid um, mm. to the tournament. So even though we only lost four games that year, we didn't make it into the tournament, um, oh. which was a disappointment, you know. But at the end yeah. of the day, my total experience was awesome. I mean, we went to UC Irvine. I lived in Newport Beach for, you know, two out of the four years where I could open up my slider and I'm on the sand you know, yeah. on the beach. It was it was silly. Uh, looking back on it now, uh, super fondly, but at times it was it was tough. But, you know, like you said, I think if the system here just isn't set up for everyone to succeed yet, it's not a defined system like it is everywhere else in the world. So until we figure that out, college is going to be a, a route for some players, um, yeah. you know, and, and 
everyone develops at a different time, like you're saying, right? Gio Reyna is never going to go to college. He's too good. Why would yeah. it be, it'd yeah. be a waste, right? But guys like Jordan, who were pretty good youth players, but needed that time to physically develop and even mentally too, just to have some sort of structure also um, is of benefit to some. And for me, for sure, I didn't go to a professional soccer game until I was in college. So I didn't even have it on my radar without college soccer. I'm not making it at the next level. Um, So it it is, it is a important piece still, I think, even though I think in the future it will be phased out unless they make it a longer season. If they do two seasons, fall and spring that can kind of replicate an MLS season, then, you know, maybe it sticks on, but you know, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Where do you stand on the, um, like, young kids growing up? For example, some people are saying now, you know, the kids, by the time they get to age 9, 10, they should specialize in one sport. If you're going to try and play baseball, do that. If you're going to try and play basketball, do that. Soccer, do that. Or some people are still, you know, no, I want, you know, my kid to play every sport. Because in England, it wasn't that we were for or against any which way. It's just that soccer in England, it was, that's just what you did. Like, very, I don't remember there being as many cricket clubs or, um, a rugby club, like it just wasn't on the same level. Whereas here, I think depending where you are in the country, basketball might be the number one sport in some places. It could be baseball in some, it could be um, American football. So yeah, I don't know if does that have an impact where you have this, these kids playing three or four different sports growing up and they're not specializing in soccer or not really? I, that's a tough one for me because I yeah. think if I had a kid, I would want them to play multiple sports. Yeah, But as soon as, you know, Obviously, now me playing professional sports, as soon as I saw that little glimmer like, oh, he's got talent in this that's heads and above what other players have in that sport, I think I would probably, I wouldn't push them in that direction, but I would say, hey, this is a real opportunity to take this to the next level. I wouldn't do it until later on, though. Yeah, I don't I don't need my kid at, you know, six years old to be playing just soccer unless he loves it. If it's a situation where he's in the backyard all day long playing soccer and it's not a struggle to get him in the car to go to training and he's yeah. happy and he's talking about it all the time, then that's fine. It's the problem I has I have is when, you know, kids don't really want to be there and they're right. and just their parents want them to be there. That's where I run into the problem. Right, um, right. But yeah, I'm I'm all for a multi sport um, until it gets to a situation where they get older and they, you know, feel like they're developing and they're having a good time. That's the most important thing. They're having a good right. time, right? When it's easy to go to training and you don't have to force them out the door. I think that's, the, yeah. you know, um, you know, big thing. Yeah. And then last one here, it's not soccer related, but it's relevant with what aired this week. I think the biggest sporting event so far during this quarantine is the Jordan documentary, Michael Jordan documentary yeah. that came on ESPN. Um, I, the question it's kind of we had a couple people ask about it but um basically what was you know our experience of michael jordan growing up i mean i can come right out and say there was zero experience growing up because in england we knew the name michael jordan we knew space jam but we weren't watching nba like every week it would come on at 4 a.m um where we were so we didn't really watch jordan like that i think when Kobe and Shaq on the Lakers, that's when we maybe kind of started to watch a bit more. But Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant were the two known names. And then Shaq wasn't far behind, like, across Europe. I mean, there's people to this day. I always say, if you go outside of London and you start going up to, like, some of these small towns and villages across the UK, some people, people over 45, 50, wouldn't know, like, the name LeBron James, for example. They wouldn't know that. Yeah. They would they have no idea. But 
the majority would have heard of Michael Jordan still, um, no matter where you are. They just would have heard it somewhere. So he's big in that way. Um, following along with the documentary, it just like, yeah, I just, I mean, firstly, you just, I don't know what it would have been like to grow up here with that kind of craze. The closest I've come to it, I've seen in our sport, for me, was in Europe with, I think, maybe between like 2003, 2006, was Ronaldinho when he was becoming like the first like just a ridiculous superstar where right. um it, yeah World i haven't superstar. seen anything yeah where yeah. he had that youtube video where he hits the crossbar four times and it comes back to him and he's like passing to himself off the crossbar and then we knew it was fake but because it was him we had to double double take and think like did he really do that um and that was like the first viral youtube video of all time and he i remember coming to london for an event and i mean he shut down central london like downtown yeah. he, he, like you couldn't get there so that's the closest. I don't know if you were taken in by the Jordan craze, but yeah, I mean, growing up oh, yeah. here, I'm sure it would have been a different experience. So I was uh, around that time, I was eight or nine years old, and Jordan yeah. was everything. So the Phoenix Suns were my team, uh, and in 93 were the NBA Finals, and that was Suns versus Bulls. So I was eight years old, and that was like my pinnacle of loving sports right that was yeah. it for me i was playing basketball with all my friends in the free time um right now i have two michael jordan playing cards in my hand as i'm yeah. sitting here as you said they're sitting in the drawer next to next to my bed so he was <laughs> huge for me and you know that was my son's team with kevin johnson dan marley i mean charles barkley um and then they're playing you know the ultimate jordan teams right and that, that are winning championships so he was massively influential and for me that was my first taste of greatness. And so for me, yeah. he's the best all time. Like, yeah. and that's, that's never been a question for me because when you grow up watching somebody, like you just said, you grew up watching somebody and that means so yeah. much to you in your, in your influential years. So Jordan is that guy for me. I think he, yeah. you know, is just and and being able to watch a documentary. Like, honestly, I was sitting with Becky watching the first episode and like, I got chills on my arm watching it. Wow. It's just, it means a lot. So it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm so stoked to to actually see that documentary. It's been a long time coming, um, and it's he's he's the man, dude. I I don't know how else to explain it. He's the man for me. Yeah. No. I, I yeah. Watching it for me because obviously I'm LeBron LeBron all day because of yeah Ak Akron. But no, I I can definitely understand and relate to that. All right. So guys, don't forget this Saturday Sounders versus DC United. Um, 2017, it was a great, great game. I was there working the TV side of it. Brad played in that game. It was a great comeback. You void for it. The entire contest is available at 7 p.m. on Joe TV, soundersfc.com, or the Sounders FC app. And you can also listen in on 950KJR AM. So make sure you tune in this weekend. Also, tune in on Twitter. Brad will be on there um, doing a Twitter call. I'm going to try to get on there this weekend as well, where some, some of the um, current players, ex-players join in via video. I don't know which app it is, but yeah, we'll Zoom. be on there. Zoom video will be on there. So make sure you tune in. That's all we have time for. As always, thanks for tuning in. Winging it with Zach and Brad. Uh, like, subscribe, whatever it is to this podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe. Um, help us get up those rankings. And we'll be back next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.